This is Pastor Aaron at Oasis Baptist Church, and thank you for checking us out online. I pray that this message is an encouragement to you. Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here with us this morning. We are continuing in on a series entitled Building Beyond Ourselves as we look at the book of Nehemiah. And uh, there's a lot of things that we can look at in the story and uh, the burden that Nehemiah had. But I think one of the things this morning that we really have to take a, a deep look at is the authenticity that Nehemiah had. This was a real man. I think sometimes so many, I think oftentimes, we look at stories in the Bible and we look at them as some type of just that. It's just a story. Uh, these are real people. The Bible was, a, 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 it was written by real men and women. It's not a fictitious type of a thing, but these are real people. And Nehemiah was a real man that wasn't faking a passion that he had about a group of people. He was authentic in his life, and specifically he was authentic with his relationship with the Lord. I wrote down a statement that I want us to kind of think about as we go through this sermon this morning, and I'll mention it several different times, but as we are driven by authenticity, God will be authentic in our lives. I want us to think about that. As we are driven by authenticity, God will be authentic in our lives. We have to be real with ourselves, with others, and with God. I don't know about you, I can only speak for myself, but many times I've I've not been authentic. Maybe I've been authentic with people, or sometimes we try to almost think that we can, I don't want to say we can hide it from God, but sometimes we maybe just think, I can, kind of, I can do all these things, and I'll kind of hide it from God. Or we know we can hide it from each other. We see each other for a couple hours throughout the course of a week, or, a, or whatever it would be, and maybe we hide certain things, but we, we must be authentic. We must be real. For God to answer prayer, He must start by working in the one doing the prayer. He works in us and through us to help us see our prayers answered. This is not a matter of perfection. This is a matter of authenticity, seeking the Father. The more that I grow in Christ, the deeper and more intimate my life becomes with Him and my relationship with Him. Therefore, my prayer to Him is, is different. It's not just a, a mundane thing. As I shared last week, so often our prayers become kind of a mundane, routine thing. But the more that we grow in that relationship, the more sincere, the more authentic, the more depth comes out of my relationship. Regardless of the relationships that you're in today, Maybe it's your spouse that's beside you. Maybe it's a best friend. Maybe it's a cousin or a relative or whatever it would be. But the initial conversations that you have with your spouse or your, uh, your, your friends are very basic and very generic. I meet some of you at the door and we have the same general conversations. Hey, how are you? How did you find us? Where do you live? We share some of the same general conversations. But the more that we get to know each other, the relationship becomes deeper and deeper and deeper. The conversation maybe within your spouse, relationship with your spouse is not just the same puppy love conversation that it was when you, got, when you were dating. But now that there's a relationship, there's a depth to your relationship, your conversation changes. A lot of things change. The same thing with our relationship with God. The longer that we know Him, the more depth that relationship comes. Nehemiah was praying and he was praying with a boldness and an authenticity. As I continue to study this passage of Scripture as I have now for several weeks, and 
As I was continually, uh, continuing in my study, I could not help but go back to something that we talked about several weeks ago. And especially as we look at prayer today and we continue this kind of a second part of a, a two-part sermon here, we look at something that Nehemiah, or that we looked at several weeks ago, and it's in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, and I, I've stated this, most of you could quote it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Faith is tied to Scripture, which would naturally be tied to our relationship to the Lord. And as I look at Nehemiah's prayer from last week, and as I look at it this week, and we studied it more, there's one thing that I have to think of, and I have to think of the faith, the trust, the boldness that he had was because of the faith and the trust that he had in God. How did he have a faith and a trust? Because he knew Him. There was a depth of his relationship there. And, and so that faith was, was real. And he was able to say certain things that most of us might go, Oh my word, he just said that to God. But because of a relationship, because of his faith in God, he was able to say certain things. His knowledge of God's word is very evident as we look in this passage of Scripture. And based on that, we see boldness, we see faith, we see trust. While Nehemiah was praying, his burden for Jerusalem became greater. And his vision of what needed to be done became more and more clear. I read this quote this week and I thought it fit perfectly. But real prayer keeps your heart and your head in balance. So your burden doesn't make you impatient to run ahead of the Lord and ruin everything. Real prayer keeps our heart and our head in balance so that your burden doesn't make you impatient to run ahead of the Lord and to ruin everything. As we pray, God tells us what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. As we are truly in a, in a, a relationship with God and the heart behind our prayer and our relationship are going, God's going to give us burden. God's going God's to give us those things that really hurt inside. But He's also going to lay it out in front of us so that we don't step ahead of where we need to step ahead. Today, as we continue in Nehemiah's burdened prayer, we're going to come face to face with some true authenticity that if we really are serious, I would say would be extremely tough. The things that Nehemiah does in these few verses that we're about to read, honestly, may be some of the hardest things any of us may ever face when it comes to prayer and I would ask that you would go with me in the book of Nehemiah, chapter number 1. We're going to start in verse number 6, and we'll continue through the end of chapter 1, so verses 6 through 11. And we're going to keep that thought, as I state, stated already, as we are driven by authenticity, God will be authentic in our lives. Nehemiah 1, in verse number 6, says, Let thine ear now be attentive, and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And this is where we'll spend our time. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though 
there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven. Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper I pray thee, my servant, or thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Father, we come to you this morning, and I pray that nothing I say would be heard, but that you would speak through your word this morning. God, this passage of Scripture has truly convicted me this week and over the last several weeks as I have read it. And God, I pray that it comes forth not from my lips, but from you. God, that you would pierce our hearts today and challenge us to be different, to be better than what the way that we came in this morning. For it's in Jesus' name. Amen. A burdened prayer will bring us to a place of confession. The first thought is that confession. Confession is one of those things that most of us, if we're just to be honest, don't really enjoy. I don't know that I've ever came across anyone who's like, man, I I love to to mess up. And then I really love to tell everybody that I messed up. Nobody does. Our pride usually keeps us from, from truly confessing before one another. Because we don't like to say, hey, I did wrong. If you are one of those that would just, you know, maybe you can tell me your secrets. You can share all of with all of us your secrets of how you enjoy telling people that you've done wrong. Most of us don't like that. Confession is hard. Confession is hard. It's not something that we enjoy doing. Not one of us likes to admit our failures and our wrong. One of the struggles we face in our Christian life when it comes to sin and confession is this. It's a true awareness. As I read, I could not help but write all of this down. A believer who is not aware of his perfect position before God, who does not realize that the Father has already placed in him the light of his presence, is more aware of his self-centered condition than his Christ-centered position. Hence, he does not actually accept the benefit of his position in the light when he does confess his sin. Therefore, he does not feel forgiven and cleansed. The thought that I had out of that, one of those thoughts was, am I more aware of my self-centeredness or of being Christ-centered? Unconfessed sin brings guilt. It breaks fellowship. It causes chastisement and eventually causes one to hide from the light. We then get to a place forgetting that the light is not punishment, but is to reveal sin so that we can confess it and be freely forgiven. Have you ever been to that place where the word of God is not light in the sense that it is being it is freeing us, except we look at it as something that is is damning, damning us. It is it is it is 
it's hurtful. It's, it's almost something that we look at and we push it away because God's word is, is piercing into our hearts and we're, we're having to make a decision one way or the other. And we usually, when we're not in a matter of confession, when we're not in a matter of humbly coming before God, we would then say, I'm doing okay. I don't need this. I want to push it away. I want to stay away. Why? Because the light is shining into us which is causing us to see our wickedness, our darkness, and we then have a decision to make. Unconfessed sin brings guilt. It breaks fellowship. And so often we get to a place forgetting that the light is not punishment, but it is to reveal sin so that one would confess it and be freely forgiven. We must constantly remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. We must be reminded of our position before Christ. And as we live according to our position and not our condition, we abide and we walk in the light, keeping us honest and aware of our sin. As we are aware of our sin, confession, it may not be easy, but it's the desire of our heart so that we would be in humility, we would be in in right standing with God that we would walk worthy to the best of our ability. Confession and cleansing, when we live in that regard, when we live in such a manner that I desire to walk in righteousness with God, there's passages of Scripture that are much easier to say. They're much easier to quote. What about this one? Psalm 139, 23 and 24. One that many of you know. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know about you, but I know when I'm not in right standing with God and I, I'm, I'm in that, that mode where I'm kind of pushing things away and I'm kind of just, I, I don't want to face it at that moment. I really don't want to plead before God and get upon my knees and say, God, show me all my wickedness. No, why? Because I, I know it and I'm trying to stay away from that. But when I'm standing before God and I'm seeking Him and I'm doing what I can to be in that right standing, I'm saying, God, I want to be free of this. Would you show me the deepest, darkest parts of my life that I know aren't right we all can go before God and say God I'm confessing before you because I I looked at that person wrong I thought that wrong I said that wrong I there's certain things that I don't have to ask God to show me right there's certain things I don't have to ask God to show me there's other things that are within us that we we do that we don't recognize that we do and we say, God, would you bring that to light? When we're seeking Him, we ask Him to do that. Psalm 32 and 3 and 4 says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. When we sit on sin, when we don't confess it, and it sits and it just waxes old and it becomes heavier and heavier and heavier, it destroys us. Because our pride doesn't allow us to deal with it. And so we'll just sit there and we'll just continue to take it and take it and take it. God's Word says, man, you need to, be freed of those things. Nehemiah in his authentic broken state fell before God. 
And it says in this passage of Scripture that he began to confess his sin. He was humbled and broken. I would say this morning, some of us just may need to be flat out humbled before God. I cannot confess before God anything if I am in a prideful state. I can't do it. I must be broken to the point that I would say, God, here is all of my wickedness. I want to lay it at your feet and I want to get rid of this stuff. In my pride, I don't do that. I can't do that in my my own arrogance. I can't. I can't do that. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, Nehemiah was broken. He was in a place of seeking God. And Nehemiah does something that I believe may be one of the most difficult things any of us could ever do. I would go as far as saying, I don't know that anybody in this room has ever truly done it before, myself included. Because Nehemiah, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, Nehemiah was burdened. Nehemiah had a, a heart and a care for the children of Israel, though he had never seen them. And then he comes to verse number 6 in his brokenness, and he says, and he confessed the sins of the children of Israel. He confessed the sins. I don't know where you stand this morning. But I try daily to come before God and confess my sin. All throughout the day, I try to say, God, man, I blew it right there. I don't know why I said that. Have you ever driven down the street? (laughs) Especially with one of your children in the car? And you say, you idiot, why'd you do that? I try to be in an attitude of seeking God throughout the day, not perfect at all, but confessing where I know that I have confessed, where I need to confess, and doing those things. But as I read this passage of Scripture, Nehemiah was willing to confess, but if we watch and we see what Nehemiah did, Nehemiah began to confess not his own sins only, but look what it says. He confessed the sins of the children of Israel. And not just that, but he goes on a little bit further because it would be like this. It's me standing and saying, God, I confess the sins of Oasis Baptist Church. But he takes it a step further and he says, confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned. And it says this, both I, and what does it say there? My father's house have sinned. I don't know where you stand this morning, and you may think I'm a complete loon and I've lost my mind. I don't know how many times I've ever said, God, I'm confessing my sins, and this morning I'm going to come to you and I'm going to confess the sins of Big Jim. I can do this a lot, and I can do it easily. I can say, God, Big Jim has 
hurt my feelings and Big Jim has done this and Big Jim has done that and I could go over here and I could stay Andrew and he's hurt my feelings in this and he's hurt my feelings in that and, and we could go through and I could say all of the sins that they need to confess before them but that's not what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did not say, God, I confess the sins of the children of Israel. He says, I confess the sins that we have done. He now places himself as the one that needs to confess the sins for people that he never even met. I don't know where you are this morning. I'll just be real flat out honest with you. Friday morning, I stood up on a mountain right behind this church. There's a park and you can walk all the way up. And I just kind of sat up on a rock and I'll be real. I just prayed and I asked God, God, and I started to pray, go through my prayers. And I've been studying this. This passage of scripture has completely rocked me this week. And I began to pray and this is what I said. God, I confess the sins of our church, and I went through our church. And then I began to go through my family. And at the point that I began to speak and to, to seek and confess the sins of our family, family that I never have met before, I just broke. I'm on the side of a mountain, and I'm, a, I'm blubbering, I'm a mess. For probably an hour, I was just, I was worthless. And I began to pray over the sins of Oasis Baptist Church. God, that we, we, I didn't say, God, would you, I'm confessing the sins of those people, but God, we have done wrong. We have dealt corruptly. We have not been. We have not. And I am a part of that. And I began to pray over the sins of, of my time, if you will, over the last five and six years. And I went before my time. And, and when Mark Neal was here before me, and I could go back beyond where there was a Pastor Dion and other men that I never have met in all of my life. And I said, God, I don't know where they are. I don't know what they've done. I don't know why. I don't know how. But God, we have dealt corruptly towards you, God. It's easy for me to look and say, you have done wrong and you need to confess sin. It's a whole other ballgame when I say, God, I am a part of that. I don't know if you've ever done that. It broke me. Man, I have an amazing father and I have an amazing mother. And to say, God, I'm confessing the sins of our family from my father and from my mother. From my grandfather and my grandmother, some of which I've never met. Nehemiah was genuine. He was authentic. And he wasn't just saying, God, I have done and I'm confessing and I'm going to confess that they have done and they have done and they have done. No, he says, we have, we have done. I could be reading this passage completely wrong, but I believe with everything in me and everything that I've read that Nehemiah went before God on behalf of people that he had never met before and confessed the sins and not just said they did them, but we have done them. I don't know if Nehemiah had a good understanding of what a team was. I don't know how many practices I went to during ball and one guy wanted to screw off 
And all 15 of us had to do the laps. Maybe he had that concept. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's if you look at the Scriptures and you look at maybe somebody like an Achan who just was involved in sin and it was an Achan sin that destroyed and brought an entire nation down in Joshua chapter 7. Maybe we can go through those things regardless of what it was, but Nehemiah aligned himself with the people and he said, we have done wrong. We have, it says in this passage in verse number 7, we have dealt very corruptly against thee. We have not kept the commandments. We have not kept the statutes. We have not kept the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses to do and God we have not done it and God I am confessing the sins of all of those before me and I am a part of that because I'm a part of this body of people this morning maybe where we stand is a place of needing to seek God and confession. Yes, for where we need to confess, but that we would say, we have done it. That could be our church at Oasis Baptist Church. That could be your family at home. That could be us as a nation that we have done. I know this morning that's the longest of my points But I would just ask you this morning, are you seeking God in an authentic manner that God would thus be authentic in our life, in your life? In humility, I believe with everything in me, I will not confess before an almighty God if I am so prideful to think that I'm doing okay. Am I broken before God? that I would done, then confess before God. A burden prayer will bring us to a place of confession. A burden prayer will also cause us to see the consequence. The second thought this morning is just that word, a consequence. Again, going back to Romans chapter 10, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I will constantly go back to that. But as we look at that thought and as we look at that faith, There's been so many times as I was studying this passage of Scripture and I was going through these things, I thought of this. Do I have the faith to do that? Do I have the faith to be as bold as Nehemiah is? Do I have the faith to stand before God and in prayer and to cry out on behalf of my family, on behalf of our church, because I know God's Word, because I trust Him, because I completely have that faith? And I would be honest with you this morning, and maybe you would say, that's not what my, supposed, my pastor is supposed to tell me. But too often I don't. Too often I don't. Because maybe, maybe I'm not willing to sacrifice, as we looked at last week just a little bit, that we would sacrifice to know God in the manner that we need to know God. Have you ever thought of this? We ask this question. Would you be willing to sacrifice some of your time to know God more? We ask that question. What if somebody asks you this question? Alan, would you sacrifice some of your time to spend with your wife? 
Do we ask that question? No. Do you know why? Is it a sacrifice to spend time with your wife? I sure hope not. If you're sitting here, if your wife's beside you, you better not nod your head yes. (laughs) It's not a sacrifice for me to spend time with my wife. It's not a sacrifice for me to spend time with my children. I love them. I want to spend time with my children and with my wife. Why then is it a sacrifice for me to spend time with an almighty God who created my wife and my children, who gave my wife to me? Why do we say I have to sacrifice? Could I get up an extra five minutes to spend time with an almighty God is a sacrifice. Do you think we have something backwards? It is. I'm not yelling at you. I'm right there. I don't like to get up at 4.30 or 5 in the morning. Does anybody? No one likes to do it. Some of you just do it because that's just what you do. And you can't sleep. But no one is just like, yes, my goal for the rest of my life is to wake up at 3 in the morning. No, we love sleep. We love that relaxation. But as we look at this passage and as we go through these things, there's consequences to our actions. And as we are burdened by God, we begin to see these things more and more in our lives. And I believe that with everything in me, that as Nehemiah had the faith because he knew God's word, and we look at this passage of Scripture, this wasn't just some random prayer that Nehemiah prayed. This was a prayer that has been read almost verbatim from Old Testament Scriptures before him. This wasn't a new thing. If we look in this passage of Scripture, the prayer of Nehemiah, he's saying this in verse number 8, Remember, God, remember, I beseech thee that the word that thou hast commanded thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Leviticus chapter 26 and verse 33. And I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities shall be waste. In Deuteronomy chapter 4 and verse 26, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. And what does it say? And ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. And ye shall be left few in number among the heathens, whither the Lord shall lead you. Nehemiah knew God's word. Nehemiah had faith in God's word. He had faith in God because he had a relationship in God. And that's how he was able to look at God and say, God, do you remember what you said? I'll promise you this. If I don't have faith in God and I don't trust God and I don't trust his word, I'm not going to look God in the face and say, do you remember? How many of you love to be like, listen, I told you so. Some of you like to do it. But the reality of it is, go ahead and go to God this morning, this afternoon. Be like, God, I told you so. We often don't have that boldness. Why? Because we don't have the relationship with God to go to God and say, remember what you said, God. But he doesn't stop there. He he didn't stop at saying that they would be scattered abroad. He continues on. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were 
of you cast out unto the uttermost parts of the heaven. Yet I will gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Where does that come from? Deuteronomy 4, if you were to continue to read that passage of Scripture, 29. But if, so 24 or verse number 26 is where I just read, you shall not prolong your days. The Lord shall scatter you. And as he continues to go on in 29, it says, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. What does it say? If you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. When thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. And Nehemiah knew these passages of Scripture. He knew God. He walked with God. He had a relationship There is a consequence, both good and bad, and it always comes back to a state of confession. It took the children of Israel to confess and come back to the Lord for God to bring them where He needed them to be. It took a man and other men like Nehemiah to plead on the behalf of the children of Israel. How many of those men of the Old Testament would go before God and plead with God, God, would you save these people? Over and over and over. Why? Because they they knew God. There was a relationship. There was a consequence that they understood. Today is no different. We must confess not our own, but the sins of our families, the sins of our nation, the sins of our church before us. And the list goes on and on. The consequence is real. And again, I quote this, the only way that we, if we are after God in a real and authentic manner in our lives, we must be driven by authenticity in order for God to be authentic in our lives. A burdened prayer will bring us to a place of confession. A burdened prayer will cause us to see the consequence. And lastly, this morning, a burdened prayer will move us to action. Authenticity is what we all want, but is not easy. There's nobody in this room that likes somebody to be fake and phony. Nobody. What is one of the number one reasons people do not come to church? Hypocrisy. The church is just a bunch of hypocrites. Yep, we are. I wish I was perfect and I wasn't, but we all are. Because we all say one thing and act another way. We do certain things throughout our life, whether we do it intentionally or not. It's not our intention to be hypocritical, but we are human beings. And we will fail in certain areas of our lives. And so, when we look at this last thought and we look at this whole passage, this thing, we like everyone to think that we have it together. We like everyone to think that we are more holy than we really are. We like for people to see us as that person or that family. They're the perfect little Christian family. Look at them in this church. Oh, they're this and they're that. We, we just love that. Nobody likes to stand at the mountaintop and go, listen, I just let you know I don't have anything together. But we sure look good when we walk in these doors. Right? How many people screaming and yelling when they get in the car? Screaming and yelling all the way here? They get out of the church? All right, boys and girls, let's go. (laughs) 
and our hands are holding hands with our spouse who just three seconds ago we were screaming at while we were in the car. And we walk in, oh, how are you? Oh, man, God is so, oh, what a great week it was. We put our arm around our wife or our husband, right? I had never seen anybody walk through these doors. I told you. I've never seen it. I don't know that I want to see that. I have seen that in my office in counseling, but I've never seen somebody just walking through the doors, continuing the fight from the car all the way through the doors. I've never seen it. Have you? No. Why? Because we shut that door off and we walk in. I'm not saying that we need people to walk through the door screaming, yelling at each other. That's not the intent this morning. But we want to be so authentic, but yet we can't really put off that we don't have it all together. Because of our pride, because of who we are as people. Confession is to know that you may have a struggle in an area that makes others feel uncomfortable. We come to this last thought this morning and a a true, uh, uh, a burdened prayer, the ultimate reality is that we want something to happen out of that. I've been praying now for probably two weeks or more that God, would you just burden my heart? I'm not asked for a specific thing. I've not asked for anything. But God, I, I, just, I just I want to be burdened for you. I'll promise you, there's two things maybe that you shouldn't ask God to do. Don't ask God for patience because it ain't ever fun. And it might not be a lot of fun to ask God to really burden your heart. Because he will. If you are genuinely seeking God, he says that he will show himself to you. And if you are genuinely seeking God, that He would just truly pierce your heart for the, the heart of man, or maybe it's pierce your heart for your family or whatever it would be, if you mean it, He'll begin to show it to you. But we need to be ready to act. Nehemiah knew that he had to do something. His action initially was brokenness. and He began to pray. And as we close out this passage of Scripture this morning, and we look at these last two verses, Nehemiah says in verse 10, Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. Think about it. I'm going to go back to Nehemiah just being bold. Being bold before God. And he says, God, I'm just continuing from verse number 8, the remembrance thing, right? God, do you remember what you said? God, you remember that you said if they do this, then this is what would happen. They would be scattered. But God, you also said if they do this, if they turn and they come back to you, that you would draw them back together, that you would do something. And he says in verse number 10, now again, just reminding you, God, these are your people. These are the ones that you redeemed. These are the ones that it was by your power and by your strong hand that you did this. You said this. You did this. God, I'm just reminding you. There's a boldness in knowing God. There is a boldness and a faith and a trust that can come within us when we truly know God. And in that, what does it cause us? It causes an action. And Nehemiah was praying. And he began to call God to action. Let me ask you this this morning. Are you nervous 
to be bold in prayer? Are you nervous to just boldly go before God? I'm not going to lie, there's been plenty of times in my life I've thought, God, I'll give you everything, but I'm not sure that I want to go 100% in because I really don't know what that means. I've done that. God, I'm a little bit of afraid as to if I say I will give you everything, what does that mean? Because in the back of our mind, I'm thinking of different men or different people that have just done everything. God, here it is. And I've thought, man, I don't know that I'm willing to do that. I wonder if Billy Graham thought I, at any point in his life, man, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have jumped into this, shouldn't have jumped into this water right here. Now I'm standing before hundreds of thousands of people in the middle of an audience, in the middle of a stadium. I wonder if there was a time that he thought, eh, I don't know about that one. God, I'll do everything, but I don't know that I want to be a national or an international figure. Maybe you sit here this morning and you're just, you're, uh, it makes me nervous to just be flat out bold before God and say, God, here it is, everything. Maybe it's because you're nervous and you don't know. Maybe it's because this. You know that you just don't know and have the relationship with God. Therefore, it's, it's a faith and a trust issue. Because if faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and I don't have that because I don't know the word of God, I'm not hearing the word of God enough, then I can't be bold enough to go before God because I just don't know. I'm just not there in my walk. Nehemiah was bold. I go back to relationship again and again. Nehemiah's burden became more and more real. And he told God in verse number 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive. God, would you hear me? Would you hear my prayer, the prayer of your servant? And to the prayer of those, the others, would you, those who are desiring to fear thy name. You know what I love about this is God, uh, Nehemiah was faithful enough. He had enough trust and he had enough faith to say, God, I am praying and I already know that they're over there praying that you would do something mighty. He wasn't in Jerusalem, but yet he just said, God, will you hear their prayers? And then he concludes this thought with boldness again. I pray thee thy servant this day and grant him mercy. Who is he asking? God, would you grant me mercy? Your servant, Nehemiah, would you grant me mercy because I'm about to go before the king. And here's what the king has the authority to do. Get out of here. You will be killed in the morning. You will be killed before the night falls. And he said, God, would you go before and would you touch the king's heart? Would you, would you speak to the king that he would remember that I am the cupbearer? Would you speak to the king and break his heart and, and mold him that, that the king would speak or be, have a favorable thought about me as I go before him? And we'll get into that next week in, in Nehemiah chapter 2 where, where uh, Nehemiah walks before the king and the king says, I see your countenance is fair. I see that you're hurt. I see that you're broken. Which was death to anybody that would go before a king with tears and with brokenness. And he said, God, God, here am I, send me. 
I'm willing to go. I am willing to take that step. I am willing to leap out where I have no idea what's about to happen. But God, I'm willing to take that action. God, here am I. Send me. God, I'm ready. God, your people are ready. They're crying out to you. God, will you use me to lead them? God, I'm ready to leave the luxury of the palace. God, I'm ready and I'm willing to leave the dinners and the meals and the prestige that comes with being the cupbearer to the king. I'm ready and I'm willing to walk out of that place and to stand before the people and to stand before you. God, would you use me to do something bold amongst our people? This morning, I would say we all have a decision to make. It starts in confession that God would move in our hearts to confess before Him because we know we must. But maybe it would be a step further. You would say, I... I've never done this myself, but I would be willing to just be authentic before God and say, God, I come and I confess we as a family and the sins of our family where we have not kept the law, where we have not kept to the word of God. Not just my home. You know, it's easy for me to stand there with Mindy and to grab our kids and to to pray around the kitchen table or to pray around the couch in the living room and to say, guys, listen, you know, dad's, dad's not been what he needs to be. It's not easy, but I've done this. Dad's not been what he's needed to be in our home, and I need to do better, and I apologize, and I seek all of your forgiveness. And I've, re- I've done that with all of my kids. Would you forgive me for this? That's one thing. But for me to sit and say, God, would you forgive our sins as a family from my father, from my father's father, for our family, has not been what we needed to be. Maybe that's something that you would consider doing today. Maybe this morning you would say, Pastor, I, I come to church this morning and I didn't fully know what to expect. Didn't know I was going to get yelled at. But maybe you would say, Pastor, I'm seeking something. And, and I recognize I need, I need this. I need the Lord. I, I, I don't have a boldness because I don't know God. I don't know Him as my Savior. I don't recognize, I've never came to a place where I would say, God, I am broken enough to say, I am a sinner. And I need a Savior. God created each of you with relationship in mind, that you would have a relationship with God. Our sin broke that relationship. So he sent his son to die upon a cross that he could mend and bring back together, that we would use the word that he would redeem together. Bring us back. That we would have that relationship. That it would be mended. That it would be fixed. And we seek that. Maybe you would be in that place this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
Again, thank you for checking us out online. If you have never been to one of our services, it would be such an honor to have you as one of our guests. If you have made any decision today, our staff would love to celebrate with you. Would you please email us at info at oasislv.church.